From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 19th, 2024, inside of a Ford Explorer (gasps) and a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot in Milford, New Hampshire. Mm, Wow. We've all been there. It's snow on the ground out here, folks, but the temperature is 27 degrees, anything above sub-zero. Might as well be walking around in shorts out here. But we are in New Hampshire, folks. That's right. Live free or die. I'm doing a little bit of both. Uh, But we're back on the trail following South Carolina's own former Governor Nikki Haley as she campaigns ahead of the January 23rd primary and looks to give former President Donald Trump a run for his money, while Florida Governor Ron DeSantis focuses on South Carolina. We catch you up here, and Mayon Schechter catches all of us up on what's happening at the Statehouse as we finish week two of the legislative session. The lead loves hearing from you guys. That's why we have a voicemail box set up that you can call and share your thoughts, your hot takes, your questions. What's on your mind? 803-563-7169. Where would you prefer to live outside of South Carolina? New Hampshire or Iowa? I'll tell you in the wind down. The answer's neither. 803-563-7169. And you can find out more about the South Carolina primary, the latest news from the trail, and our previous 2024 podcasts, and more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and SCETV.org slash SC2024, your home for campaign 2024 coverage. And if you thought I was done giving you websites, you're wrong. We have a survey. We want to hear from you guys. If you're not going to call us, do our survey. It's easy peasy at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org slash lead survey. That's L-E-D-E. You know that. Welcome back to the Live Free or Die State leaders. That's right, I got on the ground here on Thursday, so I haven't had much time to get you a bunch of goodies yet, but I do have some goodies. And again, no one cares about Iowa anymore. We're in, we're in New Hampshire, and then we'll be South Carolina. We're moving on. Now, before we get to anything else, the deadline to register to vote in the February 23rd Republican presidential primary is January 25th. That is five days from now. Now, in South Carolina, we do not register by party, and thus you can participate either in the Democratic or the Republican primary. However, if you're not already registered, you won't be able to participate in the February 3rd South Carolina first-in-the-nation Democratic presidential primary. Spoiler, President Joe Biden wins. But you can still register to vote in the Republican one. Everything you need to know about this process is available at scvotes.org. Now, with that out of the way, I want to kick off our Live Free or Die pod with the latest poll we have for the Granite State, which comes to us in a post-Chris Christie world. Oh! Remember, the former New Jersey governor was treating New Hampshire like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis treated Iowa. All in. When Christie dropped out on January 10th, the question was, okay, well, since Haley has been in a strong second place here, how much juice is she going to get after squeezing him out of the race? What? Now, a Boston Globe-Suffolk University poll conducted between January 15th and the 16th, so caucus day and the day after caucus day, found Trump again with a strong lead at 50%. Haley, at her highest ever in New Hampshire, was at 34%, and DeSantis at 5%. Again, you see why he's in South Carolina and not on the trail here in New Hampshire. So again, if there was any Iowa momentum for his distant second place to Trump after punching his ticket out of Iowa, like I said, it's not translating into support with New Hampshireans. In fact, DeSantis's polling average hovers at 6% compared to Haley's at 31% and Trump's at 44%. 
I know, numbers, 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 but what do they mean? Well, as we barrel toward this first in the nation Republican presidential primary, it will be critical for Haley to do well here if she's going to keep any momentum and to hold off DeSantis in South Carolina and attempt to eat into Trump's 31-point average lead. And just so you know, Christy has not endorsed Haley. But it reinforces just how important New Hampshire is to her and why folks are telling me she needs to get within single digits of Trump in order to consider this any sort of a win. Of course, Trump has been digging in heavy on Haley ahead of this primary as he works to prevent any sort of embarrassing upset or close finish for her. But Haley, who has spoken around Trump for months, is now directing fire at him for several problems. For example, on the stump, she usually says, we can't afford to lose another election. Now, she's pivoted to this on Thursday. The reality is, who lost the House for us? Who lost the Senate? Who lost the White House? Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. Nikki Haley will win every single one of those back for us. Trump has launched a birther 2.0 movement against Haley incorrectly spelling her first name as Nimbra or Nimrata in a true social post, and has claimed she's not an American citizen and can't run for president. Haley's full name is Nimrata Nikki Rondawa, and she became Haley when she married Michael in 1996. Haley responded to Trump during a press gaggle at Marianne's Diner in Amherst, where I was actually just there to have a breakfast. Take a listen. I'll let, the, I'll let people decide what he means by his attacks. What we know is, look, he's clearly insecure. If he goes and does these separate things, if he's going and spending millions of dollars on TV, he's insecure. He knows that something's wrong. I don't sit there and worry about whether it's personal or what he means by it. At the end of the day, we're focused on the fact that we got to get our economy back on track. we got to get our kids reading again. We've got to secure this border once and for all. And he says, I don't want to secure the border. I passed the toughest illegal immigration law in the country. And President Obama sued me So I know what it means to secure a border. I knew what it meant to, to keep South Carolinians safe. He didn't do the same thing. So let's start talking about what's real. We talked a lot about Trump's 2016 tactics in our 2024 pod released on January 3rd, focusing on how Trump won South Carolina. Check it out where you find podcasts. It's on the on our website as well. Uh, a nice little deep dive for you there. Now, while Trump is using dog whistles and some veiled racist remarks, Haley is actually now having to respond to a comment that she typically says, and that is, America is not a racist country. She's the only person of color in this race, we should note. Here she is with CNN's Jake Tapper. I understand you don't think America is a racist country now, but we're here at a college. Do you really think, as a, as a historical matter, America has never been a racist country? I mean, think about what you're... First of all, I will tell you, when you look at you know, the Declaration of Independence. It was that, you know, men are created equal with unalienable rights, right? That was what we all knew. But what I look at it as is I was a brown girl that grew up in a small rural town. We had plenty of racism that we had to deal with. But my parents never said we lived in a racist country. And I'm so thankful they didn't. Because for every brown and black child out there, if you tell them they live or were born in a racist country, you're immediately telling them they don't have a chance. And my parents would always say, you may have challenges. And yes, there will be people who are racist, but that doesn't define what you can do in this country. And so I think it's important that we tell all kids that look, America is not perfect. We have our stains, we know that. Just to push back a bit, because I was a history major in New Hampshire. Um, you're talking about the ideals of America, but America was founded institutionally on many racist precepts, including 
slavery. But when you look at said all men are created equal, I think the intent, the intent was to do the right thing. Now, did they have to go fix it along the way? Yes, but I don't think the intent was ever that we were going to be a racist country. The intent was everybody was going to be created equally. And as we went through time, they fixed the things that were not all men are created equal. They made sure women became equal too. All of these things happen over time. But I refuse to believe that the premise of when they formed our country was based on the fact that it was a racist country to start with. Now, that was a two-minute-long clip, so we'll leave it at that for future responses to that question if it keeps coming up. Okay. Now, Trump has been blasting Haley in ads, calling her a liberal and a Republican in name only, or rhino. Haley's campaign put out a digital ad, which was basically a two-minute-long mashup of Trump praising her while she was UN ambassador in his cabinet. Here's just 10 seconds. We're not doing the whole two minutes here. And I want to also thank your former governor, Nikki Haley, who's doing an awfully good job for us. She's representing America very well as our ambassador to the United Nations. She is doing a spectacular job. And it goes on like that, folks. But shortly after our gaggle, the New York Times reported that former 2024 candidate Senator Tim Scott, who Nikki Haley appointed in late 2012 to his seat, will be endorsing Trump this evening in Concord, New Hampshire. She was asked about it and said this at first. Governor, the New York Times says that Tim Scott's endorsing Donald Trump tonight. What would that mean to your campaign? We'll wait and see if it happens. Have you talked to him lately? David Drucker, reporter with The Dispatch, later tweeted that Haley said, quote, interesting that Trump's lining up with all the Washington insiders when he claimed he wanted to drain the swamp. But the fellows are going to do what the fellows are going to do, quote. Now, if you saw our social media accounts on Twitter, X, whatever, or Instagram at SC Lead Pod, you'd know that there is officially a barnstorming warning in effect in New Hampshire. What does that mean? Multiple events over multiple days, TV blitzes, Governor Chris Sununu, who's endorsing Haley's everywhere. Yes, this went into effect today when the Haley campaign ramped up her schedule to include upwards of six events and rallies days ahead of Tuesday's primary. Before, it was kind of a scant schedule, and you're like, uh, well, aren't you going to do more than just one event today? You were doing more in Iowa. Yes, they have ramped up. So here we are. And since our next pod won't drop until after the primary, here is some context on New Hampshire from Dante Scala at the University of Virginia Center for Politics on Sabato's Crystal Ball website. This is how he sums up New Hampshire, folks. Unlike Iowa, New Hampshire may produce a close finish. Just four of New Hampshire's 10 counties, Hillsborough and Rockingham on the Massachusetts border, Merrimack, which contains the state capital of Concord, and Stratford, home of the University of New Hampshire, will likely comprise 75% of the primary electorate. But aggregate county-level results won't be available until the wee hours the morning, if not the day or two after. If Haley is to have a chance to pull off an upset, she has to win Bedford and upscale towns like it decisively. If Trump carries it, take it as a sign that a significant number of college-educated Republicans have joined his working-class base. The last three non-incumbent Republican nominees, John McCain in 2008, Mitt Romney in 2012, and Donald Trump himself in 2016, all failed to win Iowa, but then captured New Hampshire on the way to the nomination. Again, that was analysis and background from Dante Scala at the University of Virginia Center for Politics on Sabato's Crystal Ball. Yes.
Okay, a lot of campaign trail stuff, so let's just take a break from that. But there might be some more in this little segment with Mayan Schechter. That's right, lawmakers have been in session for two weeks now, and our Mayan Schechter has been all around the state house, keeping up with everything going on, and I talk with her right now. Let's sort of leave the campaign trail for a moment and get y'all and me updated on what's happening at the state house in Columbia. Lawmakers have been in session for two weeks now, and Mayan Schechter joins us now for a recap of what they've been up to. Mayan, so good to hear from you. It's so good to talk to you, Gavin, in much warmer-ish weather. Yes, it's balmy up here. It's 27 degrees. Anything above sub-zero, I'm learning, is, like, warm. <laughs> but, Mayan, tell us about the climate in the South Carolina State House. What's been going on? It's been two weeks now. They just adjourned their second week of session. Uh, what's the top issue? Where's the big debate going? So there's been some stark differences between the temperatures in the House and the Senate. In the Senate... Um, they've all been getting along pretty well. They've got two new members, Democrats Tamika Isaac Devine and Dion Tedder joined the upper chamber uh, last week. Uh, so they got their fill in for their first kind of couple of debates this week. The Senate debated and passed a bill dealing with uh, parental rights and medication and then also ESG uh, dealing with pension funds and investments and sent those out pretty quickly. I think they only took about one day each, if that, to actually pass both those bills. Over in the House, since we're talking weather, temperature was a little bit frostier. Uh, we got to see what this year probably will look like. Not so much Democrat versus Republican, but Republican versus Republican, which we already knew was going to be an overwhelming uh, theme, if you will, of this legislative year. So the House held its first really big debate. Um, arguably on one of its more contentious, controversial bills, uh, a bill that would ban gender-affirming care for South Carolinians under the age of 18. In large part, the bill bans surgeries, uh, procedures, hormone therapies, puberty blockers uh, for minors under the age of, of 18. Uh, it's important to note, however, that doctors testified not too long ago that these surgeries in particular that they keep talking about are not occurring in South Carolina. There are not doctors who are doing those surgeries to minors. But nonetheless, uh, the debate kicked off this week and really took uh, a handful of hours. I mean, it definitely went into the night and it got very, very tense, very contentious. Uh, at a certain point, we thought, all right, it'll only take maybe two to three hours for this debate to end. And then it started to drag on, I think, as Republicans started to get very furious with the House Freedom Caucus, who were putting up very restrictive amendments dealing with what teachers needed to disclose to parents, dealing with punishments uh, if physicians do any of this kind of care. And the debate wound up dragging on. I actually did think at one point there there could have been a potential physical something of sort, but security wow. was right there to to make sure none of that happened. But things got very, very heated. And I think what what I took away from that debate is it this is kind of a preview for what's to come, I think, um, in terms of these these de just not just, uh, you know, regular bills, but over the budget over, you know, there's a proposed rule change that's floating around. It's still unclear whether the House takes it up. 
So I, I think this kind of infighting that we already saw last session um, is going to continue into this session and maybe a bit more tense than than usual. Wow. Yeah. I mean, physical altercations and you see tweets going on back and forth. I mean, uh, another thing, too, I think I, I read is that a lot of those amendments that were put up by the Freedom Caucus, no, none of them stuck. Um, so it was really more just this posturing that we're going to probably be seeing more and more of in this election year where these votes, these votes on these amendments that aren't going to pass uh, will be maybe used against some of these Republicans in the, in the primary process. You know, if you pay attention to Twitter, the Freedom Caucus has been or excuse me, X, the Freedom Caucus has been what some what they may consider successful and that they they gin up enough response to the House Republican caucus. Uh, they've gotten people very interested in what's going on. And so when they say the House Republican caucus is doing something wrong, they've been able to get people on social media to reach out to lawmakers, to call, um, to tweet at them. And actually during the debate the other night, they somehow I don't know how this occurred, but Riley Gaines, who's become kind of that conservative star on trans issues, she tweeted to the House Republican Caucus, basically telling them, uh, reiterating some of the talking points that the House Freedom Caucus has been using on social media. And I think that really irritated a lot of House Republicans because she's obviously got a very big social media following. And that obviously directed all the attention to the House Republican Caucus. So I think some of that that we saw will probably bleed over into future debates as well. And uh, Mayan, we also saw the campaign trail intersect in the state house. You know, you thought I was having all the fun, but you saw Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, in the state house. He had a couple of things going on the day after his second place finish in Iowa. Uh, he is all in now on South Carolina, where he needs to make up ground on hailing, of course, Trump and abandoning New Hampshire, essentially, because he is in the single low digits here, uh, where it's really a battle between Haley and Trump. What did you hear from the Florida governor at the state house? So, yeah, that visit was super interesting. It happened right in the middle of the day when session was going on the house so the bells were ringing in the lobby right the bells were <laughs> ringing in the lobby which is always always a downside if you're going to have a press conference no but the house the house wound up leaving senate was still in and they were still voting but uh desantis clearly came to south carolina to trounce a little bit on nikki haley's ground and he attempted to do that with a slew of of legislators standing behind him he talked about the, the bill, the gender-affirming care bill. He talked about how uh, Florida has has passed all of this conservative legislation, and it's good to see South Carolina following their lead. Um, but we asked some questions about New Hampshire and why he was spending so much time in New Hampshire. And this is a little outdated by now, but he told us delegates. Uh, and then obviously we've seen uh, new news reports about his campaign shift to South Carolina, which is really uh, the state that that picks presidential candidates, as as you know, Gavin. So, oh, yeah, we do. So DeSantis didn't really make any news. I mean, he he kept to his usual talking points about being Florida's governor and what he achieved as governor and what he uh, achieved coming in second place in Iowa. But it was definitely a trip to send a signal to Nikki Haley that he is mm -hmm. very seriously trying to break any any speed that she may have in her own 
in her home state. For sure, yeah. And he has a lot of support from a lot of lawmakers, too, in the state house. So, uh, again, that, that press conference happening on Tuesday. Then House lawmakers, House Republicans, and, and I think, what, a couple Democrats and some that didn't vote, also passing that gender-affirming care bill, uh, anti-gender-affirming care bill, I should say, in the House. So, really, kind of hand-in-glove there with the campaign and state house politics, right? Oh, absolutely. That's that's the always the blessing when, when <laughs> come around is we get this really odd intersection. Right. And you can't really figure out which one you're covering. Are you covering 2024? Or are you covering uh, actual policy? <laughs> well, I can't wait to do both when I get back into town after the, the January 23rd primary here in New Hampshire. But Mayan, great talking to you. Thanks for catching us up. Likewise. It'll be nice to know. Remember what you look like, Gavin. So welcome <laughs> back. And like you heard us talking about, you had Republican presidential candidate Ron DeSantis in the state house. One of his stops in the state right after his distant and narrow second place finish in Iowa. He has a lot of ground to make up in South Carolina since he spent so much time in Iowa and, like we said, has essentially abandoned any attempt at New Hampshire. Thanks again to Mayan for that recap. Now, we will have a New Hampshire pod for you at some point on Wednesday, which will be a very long day for yours truly after a long primary night. We'll be starting off the day at 5.30 a.m. with a flight out of Boston and then bookending the day with live coverage of the governor's annual State of the State address. So tune in that night to see just how much makeup they have to put on me to make me look awake at 7 p.m. You can also listen on South Carolina public radio stations statewide. Gavin's travelogue, January 19th, 3.15 p.m. I started the day wondering, is it going to be another long, treacherous day like the past has been? Am I ever going to get off the campaign trail? What, if anything, do I need to do to survive, live free, or die? Are, are we going to do a, a wind that, down that, here? That, or? It, what, what? what? Who's that? Oh, my God. A.T. Shire, producer of the pod. Late, where? Yeah. What? What? What's happening Have here? Have you been here are, the whole time? You- have you been listening to all my captain's logs? I, I do know that uh, every time you're in a car, you just do podcasts just to stay warm, you know, just just dummy ones. But uh, I'm glad that, that you, you you keep those muscles uh, stretched out. Yeah. But I, I do think we need to do a wind down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can do that. That's that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I've okay. been, been doing so many monologues. <laughs> stay warm. Well, on that theme, I do think that it would be interesting to the listeners to know about your it continued wild travel. I don't know if anyone's had a more like concentrated, crazy weather travel two weeks. You know what I mean? It's been traumatic. I mean, uh, and I don't, I know it's going to sound like I'm just like blind really quick, but I've never had (laughs) so many chain reaction events happen while traveling. Like, like I've told people I've had really good traveling for the past years, like international domestic, no problems. These past two weeks, it's been like, here you go, bro. We're making it for last time. <laughs> Everything so, is bad, yeah. So when we last left you in that Starbucks parking lot, now in this Duncan parking lot, um, mm-hmm. you know, I got to the airport, flight was delayed, uh, flight was de- delayed coming in. Everyone was delayed going out of Des Moines on Tuesday because it was just more more weather. But this one was a particularly interesting problem because a first-class seat broke upon landing of my plane Ugh. coming into Des Moines. This is some <laughs> first-class problems, folks. And yeah. the 1%... Well, they screwed us again, folks. Because <laughs> then it took three hours for us to get this. I miss my Dallas connection. So mm. uh, because it was a maintenance issue, they're like, okay, since it was maintenance, you get a hotel voucher. I'm like, great. I wanted to stay in Dallas without my bag because I got checked through. So terrific, terrific. Says everyone, You yeah. stand in line for two hours to get this voucher, which I think they could have just, like, emailed to us. I got it texted to me the next day. I was like, great. You guys could have just done that. 
But luckily, when I was sitting there at the airport, I rebooked my flight. So I had a flight out of Charlotte the next day out of Dallas. I was like, great, we're going to go home. We're going to get on East Coast time, get out of the Central Time Zone, which is just terrifying. So I get to the airport after a wonderful three-hour nap at the Aloft Hotel in a town called Trophy Club, Texas, Mm. which I thought was a strip club, but it's actually a town. Uh, (laughs) The blind didn't go down to my hotel room, so I got some great light coming in. It was It's a great time. You want it to shoot in your eyes at dawn. It's good for you. It's like blue light. You want it. Um, (laughs) So I had that going for me, and then luckily I had this bag of Trader Joe's trail mix that really just kind of kept me sane. Mm. Um, so I got to the airport at 7. I'm like, here we go. I'm going to take my meal voucher. I'm going to go to a little Starbucks. We're going to be good. Things are going to turn around. We get on the plane. It was delayed maybe 30 minutes, but we get out. We're going. It's also very cold in Dallas. There's been some delays because planes don't like the cold. Blah, blah, blah. And we're taxiing out. It looks like we're about to get off the ground. Hopes are high, even though I still have this little pang of despair that's always present. This was my favorite part of the whole text exchange right here. And then it's like, here comes the captain. <laughs> uh, captain speaking. Uh, well, planes don't like the cold. And it turns out this mechanical issue we've been having is flared up again. So we've got to go back to the gate. I was like internally screaming. I was like, you I'm, died there. I'm never going to yeah. get out of here. Mm-hmm, You're just like verbally mm-hmm. cursing, of It's course. Groundhog's Day. You're Groundhog Day. <laughs> and so and we get back. Another three-hour delay. I felt bad for the <laughs> folks that we're going to deal with on the... Maybe it was, no, no, Never mind. It wasn't a three-hour delay there. It was maybe an hour. We were on the plane. We had to get off the plane, thank God. But I was like, he, he comes back on. And this captain didn't really have the best bedside manner. He was almost like rooting for the plane not to work. But since we're in Dallas, <laughs> it's a big... Nobody wants to work anymore, you know? <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> to work anymore. Kim Kardashian was right. Since we're in Dallas, it's an American hub. They have these technicians, these guys that can get there and do it. If this was in Des Moines, I'd still be in Des Moines, folks. Anyway, we get back to Charlotte. I'm like, thank God. I kissed the ground. It was warm. I went to Bojangles. I mean, everything was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I get back home and I have to stay up all night to edit This Week in South Carolina, which you guys better watch. You have watched on Friday night because it's 26 minutes of video. This is the kicker right here, folks. This This is is the big kicker. This is the kicker. Your boy GJ has not slept. That was probably, I had probably eight hours of sleep over 72 hours, right? Mm -hmm. Because like I did morning edition no sleep that night. Then I slept for four hours and I slept for four hours at the loft. So just doing it. Now I'm at home. I'm in my own bed. I'm in a cocoon of warmth. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to wake up in two hours. I'm going to make my six o'clock flight. Yes, yes, yes. Sure enough, I guess I subconsciously just kept hitting snooze. I put my phone on the ground so I could not reach it. But I guess I still did. I wake up (laughs) at 7 a.m. when my flight is taking off out of Columbia with... The uh, the sheer the sheer tower. I'm I'm being traumatized right now talking about it. Like I was like, mm-hmm. oh no, no, no! Like yes, I, yes. I, not this today, one is on not me. Here, this is my fault. Even though it's still the first class seat's fault. Let's be honest here. I never got my full night's sleep. Yes. So I'm terrified. I text Amy, my producer. I'm like, oh, she's like talking me down. I get ready. I go to the airport. I'm like, hey guys. I was given the whole sob story. I'm like, blah 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 blah. Like everyone but my fault. But I mean, honestly, like I was in a state of affairs. So luckily, we, we make it work. The, the, the ticket agent is like, you know what? You barely made it because there's a two-hour window where if you don't rebook within that two hours, you mm. have to pay for a whole new ticket, which Doctors I would have Doctors hate that this point, guy for the info he's giving you. They never tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, guys. But if that would have happened, implosion would have occurred, too. I would have gone yeah. full Karen, which I did get to witness a Karen in that two-hour long line in Dallas. That's that was fun. exciting. But That's I said, fun. I said, you know what? We're not even going to bother recording this because it's a dime a dozen these days. Mm. But uh, I made it through. Travel was easy. Um, I got the last all-wheel drive car out of Boston. So, uh, yeah, things are looking up. And then I got pulled over by a cop when I got was a mile from my hotel. 
the yeah. end of the day yesterday because I was doing like 55 and a 40. I'm like, oh God, the icing on top. And luckily she just saw like the wild light in my eyes and she's mm. like, oh, you're from South Carolina. You have no idea what's going on. I was like, yes, thank you. Bless me. I heard that you can just flash your ETV badge at them and I they just let you go. I didn't want to say it because it is kind of a go. cringe they move. They just let you go. They're like, whoa, go, whoa, Do you whoa. know who I am? That's ETV, how you open. Yeah. That's how you open. But I was like, oh, my God, the icy on top. This never would have happened in the Volvo S60, but the Expedit, no the, the Ford way. Explorer is great. No way. No I, I think you can only listen to Jason Aldean in the Ford Explorer. <laughs> anyway, Gavin. Thank you for entertaining me if you've made it this far, folks. That was a lot to exercise. you survive all this. Amy has walked into my office and told me that I have to come pick you up in Charlotte, probably, if, you're Columbia. if your plane Columbia. is late at all. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I connect in Charlotte, but if we get screwed out of Charlotte again... I hope you believe the word screwed. <laughs> I have to come. I have to come get you in Charlotte. So anyway, Gavin, stay safe, stay warm. Thank you. You're I'll keep the monologues home. going. You're almost home. You're doing great, bed. sweetie. You're doing great, honey. We love you. Okay. Thank Say you. the Thank outro. You Give us a voicemail. Keep my spirits going. It's like clapping when Tinkerbell's dying in Hook. You got to keep clapping to keep Gavin going. Give us a voicemail. Eight zero three five six three seven one six nine. And you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And stay updated with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. No imagery. Isn't that gross? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs>